In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Family meals is absolutely essential because that's where you check in with your kids on what's happening during the day. That's when you, that's, that's when they get to say how they feel. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for today's show. Hey guys, I'm excited about today's guest. This guy has given his life to model a healthy family in a world where the nuclear family's under attack, especially in the media. And he's using media and entertainment to model a healthy family. I think you're going to be really excited and blessed by today's unique podcast. But first I want to get into today's man law. Our man law this week is simply this. Guys, when you're standing at a public urinal, Never, never, never turn your head to the right or to the left when a dude is on that side. And if by some freak circumstance you do, never look down. All right. So uh, if you didn't know that, you're welcome. That That's a freebie for you guys. So, uh, yeah. So just uh, I was in the airport last week and just reminded of that at the urinals there. So just don't ever, ever, ever do that. So, hey. This week's hero story is from Todd, and Todd writes this. Good evening. I just want to take a moment. Thank you for tackling the tough subjects. I just discovered this podcast. I've binge listened to many, many episodes. The May 12th podcast with Pastor Broom hit home as it applies to my struggle with porn. His words, quote, you are not who your worst thoughts or deeds are, and you are not as good as your best, end of quote really hit home and help me process the cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent. Thanks for being real. Hey, thank you for being real, Todd. And in fact, Todd, hit us up at info at manarena.org with your physical address. We'll shoot you some swag. Just say thank you for sending us in your hero story. Hey guys, thanks again for making the Man Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Guys, you're going to be in for a ride on this show. I'm super excited to get my new friend on here, Merthel Onyx. He's 46 years old. He lives in Huntsville, Alabama, but right now he's residing for a short period of time in Los Angeles, California. 
because he's in the entertainment industry. He's been married to his beautiful wife, Rita, of 24 years. Merthel is the founder of the Onyx brand and family, which is an African-American family of entertainers with over, listen, guys, 7 million followers across social media. Before going into the entertainment industry, he was a pastor and a family therapist. He still has a passion for bringing families together. He's got a YouTube original channel called the Onyx Family Dinner, which I watched several episodes of. Among many other things they're doing, guys, there's a lot of stuff going on with his family. He's partnered with the likes of people with likes of Dr. Oz, Matthew McConaughey, and he's been invited as a guest on the 2021 presidential inauguration program. Man, I'm excited to have him on, man. Merthel, how are you doing, man? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm excited for this conversation because uh, I've been saying something to men for years and I get a lot of pushback and and I, I'm hoping that you can uh, just help me here. But like, before, before we jump into that, right, let's right, take right. a minute and t- tell us your story, uh, your journey, where you grew up, your ministry. How'd you move into the entertainment ministry? What a what an amazing transition. I'll try to uh, give it to you in as a nutshell as possible. I was born and raised in Canada, so I'm Canadian um, in Toronto specifically. Um, I was a PK, a pastor's kid for those wow. that don't know. And, um, and so church was always a part of my life. My aspiration growing up was to be like my dad. Um, he was a minister, but he was an, uh, uh, amazing husband and he started off as not so amazing dad because he was, Oh, he was fathering the flock. So he was an amazing father of the flock. But I, I was watching from afar, just like, yes. So, oh, I like, I like this, but I, can I have a little bit more time? Can I have a little bit more mm. attention? You know, a little bit more. Um, but that's just, you know, um, but, but that led to my dad um, recognizing and coming to like, sort of like an epiphany that, whoa, you know, I, I could have been a better dad. I, I could have been better. I was, he was good, you know, always provided, always, you know, you know, uh, tried to spend some time. Um, but 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 I could have done a better job. And so in my rebellious years, my dad made a determination that he was going to love me unconditionally. And mm. so um, in that transitional time, I, I would say anywhere between like 15 to about 18. Um, he really was intentional, especially in the latter parts. And then he said, um, so let's just say I came home and I was smoking weed and, you know, I'm partying with my friends and I'm doing all that rebellious stuff to try and figure out my my own life, my own way. He would him and my mom would, you know, clean up my room because I would like sometimes go out for like a week or, or more. They clean up my room. They would see all my stuff, my weed papers, my wrapping papers. They would see all the things that I that I had that I was doing that was in a rebellious spirit. They would clean my room and leave it right there. And they wouldn't even lecture me or anything to just pray. Wow. Over it. So by the time I get home, I'm just like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. But nope, my favorite meal is on the table. Affirmation, son, you are going to be an amazing man of God. Just 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 pouring out on me, even though I wasn't doing it. I was skipping school. I wasn't doing my schoolwork or anything. Long story short, it all came to a head um, one day when I was uh, driving back from a club with my friends. And I got into a big car accident and the car was a write-off and the car was a write-off. But when I got home, my dad said, is everything okay, son? I, I walked in, I'm preparing for the worst. He says, is everything okay? I said, yeah. He's like, well, um, we're going to get a car, another one. And the next time try to be more careful. 
I was like, what? Like the next time, like it was the moment. And and he's Jamaican descent because like I'm from Toronto. Uh-huh. So and so the <clears throat> Jamaican in him, I would think it would be like, boy, no, me, I fit. you know, like they, they get into that. His father was abusive. Like, I mean, not not he didn't intend to be, but that's the culture at the time. And yeah. And, and so <clears throat> I thought I was going to get it. But my dad said the next time, try to be more careful. I was like, what? And in that moment, I saw Jesus in front of me. I saw wow. while you were while you're yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And all the songs that we sang in, 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 in church, uh, Jesus loves me. They were just songs because I, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. It now came before me that I am a wretched person. I don't deserve grace. Wow. Yet here is my father showing me such grace. I determined right then and there I was going to be a minister. And so I decided, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, wow, really? That I've got three sons. They're all PKs too. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is this is resonating with me. Okay, so 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 I did. I wanted to be a minister and do something in family because I watched how my dad treated my mom. They would dance in the kitchen. They would go on dates. He was really into my mom. He was like a really great husband. And so when. I got to that moment. I just didn't, I had a weakness. I, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to find myself, but I didn't have the strength. The strength that you get is not in the knowledge of right and wrong, because you see mm. in, in our denominations, very right and wrong emphasis. But, but my father taught me the experience of grace and how it felt that gave me the motivation to change my life. And from that moment, I said, I want to be a minister, but I couldn't go to Bible school because I didn't graduate. I had all failing grades. What my parents were doing the whole time, they weren't just affirming me. What my parents were doing was they were applying for me to go to Bible school. So here I am, you know, they're affirming me. They're looking forward by faith. And so when I come to them and say, you know what? I want to go and do theology. I want to do social work along with theology because I really want to help out relationships and families. And I want to be a minister. I was like, but I don't know how I didn't graduate. My parents says, here's your acceptance letter. We had applied for you in advance and you're getting accepted on academic probation. So that, so in parenting, if we're going to talk anything about parenting, talk about setting your children up in life who they haven't even made the best choices, being Christ to them and, and showing that example and giving them true motivation, not telling them right and wrong, because I already knew right and wrong. I needed to know I was yeah. loved. I needed to wow. know that I was loved, that I was special. And so um, that was it for me. I have never turned back from the time that I was 19. I have been serving the Lord in ministry. And now I'm 46, turning 47 in a month. That's 20 odd years of serving the Lord. And that's how you change the heart of a child. You change the heart of a child by loving on them. This is, I wasn't expecting this so early on in the podcast, but I'm really excited. So what I heard you saying is your parents didn't see who you were in the present moment. They saw who you were going to become. So how, give give us some, and I wonder if the father in Luke 15 did the same, right? How, exactly. Give us some parenting. What would you say to dads right now who have a, a, a child a teenager, a 20 something who's really struggling right now. What would you say to that dad right now? You know, it's interesting because you never know what your child needs. Uh, one of the persons that I really like mm. his course is Chip, Chip Ingram. I don't know if people are oh, still yeah, listening yeah. to oh, Chip, totally. but, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. but I love Chip stuff. 
And um, you never know what your child needs. So it's not, love is not simply um, what the world calls love today. Uh, uh, sometimes you need tough love and sometimes you need boundaries. And one of the things he says is a child needs two things. They need a discipline, which means boundaries, and they need to know what the law is and they need to know what, you know, what authority is and, and appreciate authority. But then a child needs to know that you love them unconditionally. And so you need to make sure that yeah. you're balancing those two. Clearly, I was a kid that needed that unconditional love. Your child may need the boundary setting. And it's always better to set those boundaries as early as possible. But um, so so a, a person that has a child, you need to look what your child needs because maybe they don't need you to be more lax. Maybe they don't need you to be, you know, to let it go. Maybe you need to, you know, kind of put your foot down in, 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 a, in a very firm way. Well, and the hard part is every kid you have, God doesn't give you the same child five times over. Well, you have, you have four, you have four, four, four children, kids. right? Four and all daughters, right? Wait, no, wait. One, no, one, one son, son. Yes. one son. And then they're all S's, right? They're all sh. <laughs> yeah. All sh. But I mean, they're all different. They're all totally different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to are. treat them differently. And that's the hard part is that, you know, trying to love them the same is not what is not the best way to do it. You got to love them differently. It really isn't. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to um, the the John the Baptist and Jesus model. Uh, they mm. said, Jesus, why are you always with the sinners? Why are you, you know, drinking with the sinners and you're doing this? They call him a drunkard. And then John the Baptist, clearly he was he lived the aesthetic life. And so he ate only certain things and wore certain things and hung out and acted in a, a very particular way. Um, very righteous or more pious in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, the, the text ends by saying, um, it's not to, to weigh in to say, okay, Jesus got it right, but John the Baptist didn't, or John the Baptist. It says that at the end of that text, particular text, it says, whatever worked, the works of, of how the results oh. showed whether or not. So you got a lot of people out there saying, hey, listen, I'm going to compromise and I'm going to do this for my child because I love them. And I have to show them all this love. And then another person will say, I'm going to put my foot down and the child never experiences or feels true acceptance. And what they're lacking is the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is giving you that right understanding because you might be going places you shouldn't go with your children mm. because now, it, now it's condoning. While at the same time, you may go places because you're led by the spirit and it's not condoning and the results turn out to be me. I, I turn out to be a man of God, you know, so it's, it's spirit led. And I don't think we, we can appreciate that because we always want to use religion to control the narrative. When Ooh, the truth yes. of the matter is the spirit is what is going to lead us in this last days to be a true reflection of Christ. Sometimes it's going to look hard and they're going to hate us, but sometimes we're going to go across the line and be right among them. And they're going to say, you're, you're a sinner. Look at you. You're just hanging out. And it's the spirit that is going to guide us. Well, John four in spirit and truth. And isn't that the balance with parenting? I yeah. mean, my greatest prayer for parents is James one, five. I pray that God would give them wisdom yes. to discern spirit versus truth. Cause sometimes we need to drop the truth, right? They there need a go. truth bomb. Sometimes right. they need a, a grace bomb. They need grace. And so yes. when you were telling me your story, I was like, man, they're sure giving, I'd be dropping some hammer time, but you didn't need that. You needed, <laughs> no. you needed grace. And right. I think it's hard. Uh, I don't know. If, tell me if you've noticed this, Marthel. I've noticed that 
uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, second generation Christians. So like I'm a first generation Christian and my okay. kids are second. This, you know, I came to Christ in, a, in an environment that wasn't hostile, but that just didn't understand Christianity. Right. Gotcha. So I had to fight my way through that. Now, my children were all raised pastor's kids because I went into ministry. And right. so now they had a whole different experience. And now they're trying to find their way spiritually right. as a second generation believer. Do you do you see this? Was this a struggle for you that you were a I don't know if you were a second generation or not, but your dad was clearly your. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you struggle with a, your own faith identity as a, a son of a, I did. a pastor? I did. I was trying to find my own way. I, I admired my dad and I admired my mom and how they lived their life. Um, and I lived a very uncomplicated life because, you know, there was no divorce. Um, they had been married yeah. for many generations. We're traditional Christians. So, you know, there was no drinking in the house. Um, I was even raised um, vegetarian and vegan so that we our bodies were the temple of God. So it's it's almost like, you know, I, I was raised in probably one of the most traditional settings for Christianity. So it was very tough for me because, you know, there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of laws. I needed to learn about the grace of God. I already had the laws in me. I already had the, 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 I already had the authority, respecting authority in me. I already had all that stuff. I needed to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when my dad taught me, everything came together because the hands of God, like Psalm says, is justice and mercy. You need both of them working hand in hand. Yeah. Well, it's really funny, man. I got to tell you, I'm always trying to play this guessing game. I'm like, oh, he's talking like an Assembly of God kid. And then I'm like, <laughs> nope, now I know. Now I know what you really were raised. Yeah, I, yeah. I got it. I, I'm like, because that the, 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 the denomination you were raised in is very religious and holy, yes. you know, holiness driven and very, very yes. almost legalistic. But yes. your parents <laughs> operated with you in a totally non non-legalistic way. So I'm like, wow, this is really, really interesting. And gave so me that's the really best part of the gospel, Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, I could nowadays, when I look at the way the society is going, I now appreciate far more structure, law, authority, because this generation is lacking in that. But what, but I can never deny the greatest thing and that is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins, because not one of us have ever lived a perfect life and perfection Amen. is through Jesus Christ. So so, I mean, our children could really use a lot of grace, no matter what. I, You know what? I, I So that leads me to my next thought. I wanted to take the time in this podcast to actually stop and say thank you to you for what you're doing. Because, you know, you said the way society is going, we're living in a, a space that is all is antagonistic in a lot of ways to the family, yeah, uh, to the nuclear family and your uh, YouTube channel, the Onyx Family Dinner. When I turned it on, I was like, well, it's kind of like the Cosby show, only brighter <laughs> and not weird sweaters. You know, uh, I'm like, well, it's kind of like this, but you, there's a real light to your show. I mean, really, your kids. You've got a beautiful family. Thank you. Your kids Thank you. are uh, vibrant. Your wife is uh, beautiful and alive. Thank and you. And it's really, I, I discovered this there that this is really uh, amazing stuff. So I want to ask you this, uh, Marthel, what, why did, why did you make such a huge leap from ministry and therapy 
uh, to the entertainment industry. I mean, that's a that's a dark space is. that is antagonistic to the nuclear family. Oh, I mean, God. you're in the middle of it, buddy. And and uh, so that's why I want to say thank you, because I know you're in the middle of it. Right. And you're just crushing it. So talk to me. What what led you to such a massive <laughs> transition? So 17 years, ordained minister, um, got my second degree in um, marriage and family therapy, um, um, marriage and family therapies, um, masters of science in marriage and family therapy. Uh-huh. Um, and so my focus throughout my ministry, the 17 years that I was practicing, was creating an environment in my congregation and in my practice, in my marriage and family practice, where I emphasize on the family. So if I was preaching, I'm going into the text, looking at it from the paradigm of the ah. family, which was instituted in the Garden of Eden. And so mm -hmm. I'm always going back to that foundation and those roots. So um, so what ended up happening is, is my wife, we got married very young. She was 18 when we met and we got married that same year. She turned 19, but we got married that same year that we met. Um, wow. We were at Bible college because I had went to remember I went to Bible colleges and that was in Alabama. Uh -huh. um, it was um, Oakwood. Um, it's a HBCU um, Oakwood University now. And so that's where we met. And she was from California. So we both met there. Um, and I, my intention was to go there and find a wife. It was not just to get my education. My intention was to start my family because I was all about family. So 17 yeah, years totally. I, I spent preaching about family, trying wow. to model and all that stuff. Here's the challenge. Um, my wife was growing up. She was 18. So a lot of the pressures of being the first lady in a congregation, and she's African-American, and I'm from a Caribbean background. So when you come to Canada, there's not really an African-American representation. So the paradigm, she, was, she felt like a fish out of water. She's the first lady, you know, all this pressure. She's young. She's pregnant year after year. So... I'm expecting like, okay, come, not necessarily play the piano, but just be present, you know, sit in church, we'll, we'll model. That didn't kind of happen because she was in school. She's trying to find herself. Pregnancy, yeah. her hormones are raging. So sometimes she just doesn't come to church because she's sick or she's tired or, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to church sometimes with one baby in one arm. I'm handing it over to a deaconess and then, you know, and I'm preaching Then I'm gathering my kids together. So it was it wasn't the vision that I, I, I that I wanted. As she grew older, you know, she started to find herself. She ended up I met her in med school because she was in the med school part. And then she oh. decided to become a nurse practitioner. And so that's what she was oh, doing wow. that time. So my wife was a nurse practitioner. And so. She wanted to go back to the States. A part of her wanted to figure out where her life is going because she wanted to be a doctor, but then she ended up nurse practitioner because we had to feed the family and all the kind of stuff like that. So what ended up happening is she was working in Canada for a group of doctors and the doctor said, hey, we would love to start a business in Florida. It's lucrative. You're African-American. So you're the, the, your American side would be able to help launch it. We're Canadian. So she wanted to do that. And I was like, I'm not ready to make that leap. But she's like, I've been here for you this whole time. And it's just like it was a, a little bit of tension. If, you know, anybody that's married understands that you hit these bumps in the road. It was a critical point. Mm -hmm. And here is the decision I had to make. Am I going to stay back here and preach about family? Or am I going to go and model family? Ah, if I stay yes. back here and I, I send her and then I try to go back and forth, 
That's not going to model family. It's not going to model sacrifice. It's not going to model partnership. And then, and then I'll just be one of those pastors that just preach. Mm -hmm. I had to make a really tough decision and I walked away from ministry and I walked away from my practice to go support my wife doing her, um, her medical practice. And were you living in Canada at the time? I was living in Canada at the time, but so then I had to go across the States. I didn't have any landed status. So I wasn't able to work for the very first time in my life. I was not able to make a living. I was not able to contribute to a living. I had to watch my wife grind every single day while I just was at home, like homeschooling the kids, just trying to figure out what I was going to do next to my life because, you know, I couldn't even work because I didn't even have a green card. So I was, I was depressed. I was angry. I was resentful. Um, in that transition. So I left, I left ministry and my practice in 2015, in October, 2015. And then I went into a season of prayer. What do I do with this anger? What do I do with this resentment? What do I do with what's going on? And, um, and started praying with my family because they started seeing, you know, me and Rita arguing and things like that. And it was a lot of tension in the home. And, um, and then Rita already had gotten a year because I had said, you can go before me. Let me just wrap up my ministry and then I'll come. So she had about a year prior to me coming or a few months. And by that time, the company started, things started crumbling with the whole idea of the, 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 the practice. With her being oh. the only American, they had a lot of red tape that they had to get around and things started to kind of crumble. And then the pressure of her working and it was not as, what she had dreamed about, she started saying to me, I'm thinking about possibly transitioning and doing something else. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I left everything. I left my everything. Church. I left my practice. What do you, what my do you mean? My citizenship. What do you mean? Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking yeah. about? And she's like, well, you know, I didn't see these things coming. And, and I also don't really want to do this anymore. But give me some time. I'm going to try and transition to do something else. I won't quit until I do it. So I was like, okay. And she says, I have this idea and it could be fun. And maybe we don't make anything, but why don't we do YouTube? Now, you know, she's thinking like, how can I approach this man with this? Because he's going to go from being a pastor to being a clown. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like she... She was pretty scared. But by the time she approached me, I had been feeling guilty about the way that I was acting. I was resentful. I was lashing out. I was really feeling bad. And I wanted to um, I wanted to lead the family into a season of praying and fasting. And I was asking God, help me to do that. But I had not been acting like a minister. I'd not been acting like a loving husband. I'd not been acting like an attentive father. I was angry. And so what when she came to me with that idea, I said, that's a great idea. Yes, let's do it. She was surprised, but I had ulterior motives because I wanted to pray and fast. And I knew that if I went to her and said, let's pray and fast, if I was like, you pray and fast, like the way you've been acting, no way. But because I accepted her idea, now she was willing to like give me grace. And so we started a praying and fasting session. And we were, it was hinging around the widow who had lost her husband and she had two sons and they didn't know what they were going to do. And, you know, most of your audience probably would understand that. And and then we, we close the door. There's a part in the text that says, shut the door, go in your room, shut the door, approach God and see what God does. And so that's what we did. And so we called it shut the door. 
and we went into a season of prayer. We started in February, the season of prayer. And by March, we launched our channel for the first time we launched our channel and it shot right up immediately. 2016. That's 2016. And that is just so this is new. five months, five months after I left ministry. Wow. That's that. I mean, to grow to 7 million followers in six years is really, really impressive. And, and 4 billion views over 4 billion. Yeah. views. Holy cow. That right. is awesome. So, okay. So where did the actual idea of the Onyx family dinner show come from? Cause that saying you want to do YouTube is one thing, but, right. but this Onyx family dinner idea is totally different. Is this Rita? Or is this your idea? Where were this or is this from prayer and fasting? Um, well, the Onyx family dinner. So we've had Onyx family for two years prior, two or three years prior to the Onyx family dinner. Um, okay, so, okay. so the Onyx family wears all the skits that we were doing. And what I was trying okay. to do is I was trying to merge in, in the understanding of Onyx family because my kids would write the Onyx kids. I would kind of write the Onyx family. So I would try to address things like arguments. Um, you know, no cell phones at the table, uh, things that would eating at the table and, and, and spending time as a family. I was trying to address things that I would address in my ministry, but without any religious overtones. It was just simply just I felt like yep. it, it was I felt like Onyx family should be a place where kids can come and Onyx kids, especially Onyx kids, where kids can come and get no politics. So we're not talking about black and white issues. We're not talking about Jesus Christ. We're not talking about um, anything. While some of these things are important for us to address, we just want to keep it away from the kids. Kids need to just yeah. go and just laugh, you know? So we're just like, hey, a Muslim can come and we have so many, you know, we've been at uh, restaurants and, and kids will come with their two dads and they feel comfortable to approach us because we kind of like allow kids to be kids. They don't have to make decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't have to make these critical decisions that we're trying to make them make. Like, Hey, let them let them laugh. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and let adults deal with these adult problems. And so that was our model. And we just want to stick to that. Um, where we got to the Onyx dinner, if you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're dealing with now some politics. Yeah, we, sure. we want to stay away from politics. Uh, the Biden administration came to us to ask us to rock the vote in November when he was going against uh, Trump. And we we have fans from all over. I mean, a Trump family came up to us when we were in Washington and they were just like, we watch you in church, man. And we took pictures and everything. <laughs> so we don't want to get involved in all of that. And so we told them, no, we said no. Yeah, good for you. Good we for said, you. No, we are not getting involved in this politics. In fact, Kamala Harris is a cousin of mine. My mom. No. My, <laughs> my mom. No, seriously. My mom used to go to her dad's mother's house all the time when they'd go into town in St. Anne, Jamaica. So we know her, 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 her grandmother, my mom, my, my grandfather is Irish. His name is Finnegan. So they, his family traveled <laughs> from Ireland. So my mom has an Irish Jamaican father. So wow. her father, my grandfather is uh, Kamala's grandmother, their first cousins. So my wow. grandfather and her grandmother are first cousins. So we're related. But I wanted nothing wow. to do with it. I wanted nothing to do with it because the blood that matters is the blood of Jesus. <laughs> hey, hey, well, and that's the deal, right? It's like 
the constant battle to stay away from politics. I, I it's funny because I recently registered independent and then I started getting stuff from the independents. I go, wait, I, I don't ha- I don't have a party. So right. I gotta go back and register as non-affiliated because we have guys listening to this show from all different backgrounds. And we're just saying, listen, we are biblical guys that love the Lord, and that's what we're gonna talk to you about. And even though I may lean one way or the other, we're not going to go there because it's not going to help the final goal for these guys, which is to to give them themselves to Jesus and to live out their Amen. best version. And so, I, you know, so I did. I did know Adam and Eve. Honest, Adam and yeah. Eve connect us all together. That's our greatest greatest Absolutely. appearance, yours and mine. That's why we're brothers. So I mean, it's just silly. Politics is silly. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I don't want I anything agree. to do with it. So we it wasn't our idea. It was actually a company that we work with idea that they would like to do this show. And we felt that there was something that oh, we could oh, contribute really? to the conversation. And that's the reason why we did it. We don't like to get political. I'll get religious any day faster than I'm going to get political. But they thought it would be a good idea for our family to add to the conversation and not so much to sway people to say, believe this or believe that, but to show how we can respect one another, even if we believe different things or if we're seeing things from a different perspective. How many people are arguing over a coin when they're only looking at the head side and the other is looking at the tail and they're arguing vehemently when both sides have value? They're just doing it from their side of the story. Yeah, you. It, the, the conversations you guys had were not angry. They were more inquisitive. But the, the, the underlying principle behind all of it to me was family dinner. Yes. To me, to me, forget the rest. Here's a family of six having dinner together. Yes. So I'm going to, so the family in my family, I raised a family of uh, three sons. They're in their twenties now. And I I'm a big cook, man. I love to eat and I'll be honest, uh, man. I know you guys kind of do the vegan ish thing, but man, we are uh, meat and bacon, bacon and eggs, baby. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so now I'm doing a plant-based type of diet now, but back then, but every morning was a breakfast breakfast time together. Right. And it wasn't like a, if it was a YouTube channel, it'd be a little bit alarming. It's a cross between a duck dynasty and I, uh, I love duck. Dynasty. I don't know, man, but I mean, <laughs> I love it, was a little bit wild. it was a little bit wild, you know, but that family meal together yes. was so important. Uh, do you guys in real life, do you guys eat together regularly? Absolutely. We, we strive to. I would like to say in a perfect world that we would eat together more often, but we try to eat together at least once a day. We really try to, especially because we're working together all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, at least one meal. I'm the cook. So I'm always trying to make sure. So either we'll eat together at breakfast and if we can't eat together at breakfast, we'll eat together at dinner. But um, yeah, we always strive to at least have one meal that we're coming together. So it's good to meet another cook. Finally, people, people oh, yeah. assume that you're a, I'm a men's ministry guy and they're like, what, bro? I just bought a barbecue pit that I can tow behind. It's a trailer. Oh. I mean, I'm not talking to smoker. I'm talking wood barbecue. Yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. Oregon. You have to hit me up and I'll, uh, we just made 50 pounds of sausage. You have to go off your vegan diet for a week. And come up <laughs> you here. know, I do. But, hey, hey but- I throw down the vegan <laughs> style. Like, I don't know if you've seen my, um, the, the one that was on, uh, Dr. Oz. That no. is, oh yeah, we did. What we did was we did, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, a shrimp roast where we have the corn, the okay. potatoes, and then vegan shrimp. And it is just delicious. It's just like the Louisiana, but just 
healthier for the body in a sense yeah. that, you know, especially when we're getting up to 50 and there's certain things that we're just looking out for. Um, my transition, because I went afterwards, I started eating meat. So uh, chicken, beef, goat, like oxtails, like everything. I love meat. I love the way it tastes. I, I love everything about it. Yeah. But I realized that I really had to start getting back to my roots, especially now that I'm getting older. To, to deal with the issues of the high blood pressure, to deal with the issues, you know, of, um, you know, overweight and things like that. And it, and, and it works out better for me. Yeah, we do a Mediterranean style, which is more plant based. Uh, meat is more of a condiment. So that's right. what we're moving towards. It's it's basically I, I won't ever say the word vegetarian, but it's very, very <laughs> plant based. Right. And I, you know, I, I, I make my own sausage and stuff, so I couldn't, you know, but, uh, wait, well, let's get back to the, that's the fun right. stuff. Let's do that. Right, stuff. Right. But let's talk about your family. So, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with guys right now that are driving to work, listening to this podcast with thousands and thousands of guys from 130 different countries. And a lot of guys tell us, Hey man, I can't have time with my family one meal a day. We can't do it. We're too busy. Right. So you're, you're in this this entertainment industry and you're bringing something back to families that we have not seen since I was in high school, you know, since, you know, there, there aren't any shows like this uh, anymore. And so you're coming back and you're, you're reclaiming this lost art of meals with your family. Can mm -hmm. you just talk us through that? Especially these guys who don't think they can pull it off because their families are too busy. <sighs> Well, I, I was going into homes. My wife was doing her nurse practitioner. And then I would leave after she comes back from work. This is before we moved to Florida. And I would go off to work. And we were, weren't able to spend time with our family. And I found myself repeating some of the cycles that my dad repeated, where the kingdom, church, helping others oh. became priority. And I was yearning for a time. So when God took me away from ministry and he took me away from my family practice, he wanted to give me the authentic experience of what it felt like to actually be with my family. It hurt. Mm. It hurt like crazy when it first happened because I didn't see God's vision for my life. But when God is bringing you to another level, sometimes it got to hurt like Joseph. It, you, sometimes you're you're in a position that you just don't understand. And like I said, once we transitioned to YouTube, we had the financial freedom to be able to do to change our lives. Like I like I said, in that first month, twenty seven thousand dollars dropped into my bank account. First month, second month, one hundred and twenty five thousand dropped into my bank account. Third month, two hundred and twenty five thousand dropped into my bank account. So when you when God is going to richly. No, no, that's now three months. That's so the third yeah, month that we got. Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. I know that's what I'm saying. Holy cow. Right. So 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 that rich blessing that came to that woman is like, holy cow, like, you know, the oil is just pouring and pouring and pouring. It was yeah. supernatural. What was happening to us was supernatural that was precipitated by a man who was sick and tired of who he was, frustrated in his marriage, frustrated with how life is going as a man. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, everything had crumbled in my life and I turned to God and God created this miracle and the miracle was all encompassing because now I could afford to be with my family now. And now every single day we wake up, I'm with my wife, we have worship, we go out, we get our little mats. We are, we are out there, we're listening to our gospel music, we're listening to our spiritual music and we're centering ourselves every day, you know, filling ourselves with scripture, playing scripture, playing music, and then stretching and just starting every single day we do that. 
And then we go into filming our shows and we go into our meeting of what we're going to film. So now I'm working with my family. I'm building a legacy with my family, just like how back in the day, a man would teach his son how to farm. I am teaching my son how to be a witness to the world in non-conventional ways, in ways that are not offensive. By beholding, they will become changed. So I don't need to preach. I don't need to say anything about Jesus. I take this time to have fun on podcasts. But when I am there, I could just put M&Ms up my nose and my wife is trying to take it out. And part of it is slapping me in my face and the kids are laughing and we're just, we're being silly because what they're seeing and, and too many families, especially in the African-American community, too many families do not see that father, mo mother model. And so yeah. by beholding you become changed, I don't have to say anything. When I was watching Bill Cosby, even though my dad was in the home, my wife's parents weren't in the home. You know, she was raised by her grandparents. A lot of African-Americans, we watch Bill Cosby to live vicariously through him. It's For not sure. like yes. we knew anything about him. You know what I mean? It's same thing with Obama. It's not like people are like, I like all of Obama's views and he's so politically great. No, it's like an intact family. It's thirsting in our community sometimes. And so you just want to see someone being great. And that's what the Bill Cosby show is about. The difference between Bill Cosby and our family is, is that we're the real deal. Like, I'm not an actor. I'm not acting. I am yes, living yes, correct. it. I'm living, breathing it. And so part of the reason why our partners, and we partner with all sorts of huge companies, the reason why they want the Onyx family is because they need the authentic experience. They don't want actors anymore. People, in fact, this generation is not watching TV anymore because everybody is acting. They're either acting for the agenda of somebody behind the camera or they have yep. their own agenda. But, but, yep. but we're not actors. This is who we are. We are Christian. We love well, Jesus and it's, Christ. It's, and the funny part is, you don't have to say it because you can see it in the eyes of your kids. And the, and the very fact that you guys are, cause I, cause I'm, I didn't know anything about you. So I'm last, I'm looking at your videos going, okay, these guys are totally, and we don't always have Christians on our show, but when I saw yours, I go, okay, this is encouraging because these guys are obviously Christians. So, you know, so Thank I was you. excited about that. And I, I, I feel like the family is under attack. Yes. And, and not only the family mealtime, but, but fatherhood. And I know you have a, you, a huge heart for the African-American community. Yes. What is your, what is your, but your show is not, if I was African-American, I wouldn't be like, well, this is my, I mean, I'm a white guy going, man, I like this stuff. I would love <laughs> to have my, my, this, my, I, this is a show for any, any color person. Absolutely. But what, what is your, what is your actual demographic? Our demographic is everybody. Like I said, yeah, people coming up to us, with MAGA hats, <clears throat> um, LGBT community uh, kids, um, some of the greatest, <laughs> some of my greatest successes is when like we're sitting at the table, we're out, we're out at a restaurant. This little girl rushes up to us and she's jumping on Shasha. And then she calls over her two dads and her two dads come over and we take pictures. Like these are huge moments for us because oh, we're like, sure. yes, there is a kid that is trying to figure out life. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who they are. They are trying to figure out life. Um, and in this chaos that they see in this world, they can connect with us and create a bond. And it really doesn't matter on our end what is happening to them because we're praying for all of our, our families that they will be able to see the love and representation of Christ. 
but we don't have to argue over what we think that looks like. You can just watch our show and experience our love, experience how we love on you and your kid is safe to just laugh. And I'm telling you right across, we have as many, when we're in, 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 in California, we've got a ton of Mexican families. We have a, our, our um, Rita's stepmother is a teacher and, and she's in the LA area and the, the predominant amount of people that are in our class oh, yeah. are Mexican. They yeah. all love our show. Then we go to another part of the region of the world where it's all Caucasian, all white, and they love it. And then we go to like the inner urban cities and then the African-American. So we are, we're all over the place. And we strategize that on purpose because we wanted to make sure um, when Christ came to this earth, Christ was that one that was hovering over sinners. And he was, and then he turns around and he says this one thing that we don't hear much anymore, that the hovering over, yeah, they want to hover. He says, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He says, go and sin no more. So you see that righteousness is still alive. Righteousness is still necessary. No, I agree. That's so good, man. So talking to dads. So dads, listen up. And I know most of you listen to dads. What do you want to say to dads about this value of a family meal once a day? Uh, Family meals is, is so critical. I mean, you don't have to be fixing the meals like me and, and my friend. You don't have to do that. But family meals is absolutely essential because that's where you check in with your kids on what's happening during the day. That's when you that's, that's when they get to say how they feel. And guess what? They get to question, you know, um, sometimes, they're, you know, my kids, they'll 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 come up with some things that make me open my eyes like, oh, really? And they're questioning. They're questioning all things. They're questioning about God. They are questioning about um, all the topics that are the hot topics right now because they're a product yeah. of this generation. And that's where you get to gently listen and allow them to express themselves and allow themselves to grow. You don't got to panic. You don't got to panic. Everybody gets to choose their life and the, and the way their life is going to go. But you get to pray over them. And that's one of the things that my parents modeled. I will model what will impress my children, but they get to make the decision. I. I strongly believe our children have to make their own decision. Absolutely. Yep. And so well, the, and that's the, the, the thing. kitchen table is the center for that. That's where you get to be their best friend. That's where you get to, you know, set things. And at different stages in a child's development, you can set rules. But then my kids are not at that stage anymore. One of them is 22, going to be 23. Another one is 21, going to be 22. Another one is 19 next year. She'll be 20. And, and my youngest is 15 and about to be 16. So clearly I'm not at that stage anymore. I'm quickly moving out with Shiloh where you yeah. cannot just set down like these concrete things. You've got to influence. Well, and you know, it's what's interesting. So when you watch your show, you know, it's, it's, it's polished and, and there's a topic and you've got guests coming on, but you know, the real life, I don't, for our family, our real life meals were not like, they weren't polished. There was arguing. Absolutely. There was uh, yeah. what's going on. There was confrontation. There was Bible reading. There was prayer, but it was very pragmatic, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of times guys go, oh man, I can't do a family time because they think that you sit around the table, hold hands and sing the doxology together while you're <laughs> right. memorizing, you know, the book of Ephesians, but yeah. it's just coming together. It can be, it can be whatever that man wants it to be. Right. And it, it's your personality. Is, yeah. Your personality is yeah, going to shine through. The key thing is getting the family together. And, and, and here's the deal. I had a guy, 
I did a recent reel uh, on Instagram and, and on TikTok. We did a video and I ha- about having a meal together. And a guy mm-hmm. said, no, that's impossible. I'm a trucker. I'm like, hey, wh- what did you learn during this pandemic, bro? You can zoom in to your family every time they have that meal. So Absolutely. there's really no excuse for a, a guy going to work to not have a family meal. Now he can zoom into that thing. Right. Put the put the uh, the computer at the ed- end of the table and you can still sit at the head. So, bro, listen to this. So guess what I titled this podcast? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to end up being this, but it's 15 minutes that will change your family tree. Oh, wow. OK, um, we went past 15 minutes. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, no, no, no. What I mean is no. What I mean is the 15 minutes that father needs to take each day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If a dad takes 15 minutes a day, I believe this one thing is a game changer. It's quality, not quantity. It's Talk quality. To me. Talk to me. It's quality. Because, because I think that we have set things up for failure for the family, overtaxing, oh. underpaying, and yes. all of that stuff. And, and so it's set things up for failure. And you know what? Uh, you know, I believe that it was intentional because there's an intentionality to break down the family. And if you can keep the man overworking um, and out of the home and then keep the mother busy trying to th- then they've um, it served its purpose. You know, um, well, it's when- funny you talked about the Yeah. You talked about the African-American family and how that father is not even around, a, you know, in a large percentage. But the Caucasian family, it's the same thing. He's just at work. Yeah. I mean, it's so that reminds me of Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. And, and I can't believe we're already out of time. I, I, this, I don't know, we, you and I could probably do this for three hours, but we Ephesians sure six eleven says, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. So Merthel, what are some <laughs> schemes that you see the enemy using to rob families of time together? So, so it, back in slavery, back in Egypt, um, one of the pharaohs, when the people were just about to be delivered, the pharaoh said, let them make the bricks out of straw. Now, let us yes. make it impossible for the people to be able to get the job done that they have to accomplish. So we already know that back in the 50s, you could get a home for a certain price. You could get milk for a certain price, all of our services for a certain price. Inflation has gone up. Minimum wage is at a very low a guy had, you know, once it was like, you got to go to university to get a degree. But now it's just like, what, student loan? So you can get a student loan so that you're in debt for the rest of your life. Student yeah. loan, um, inflation, um, outsourcing all of our jobs so that we have no more factories out here where we can make things ourselves. Like an, an attack on the country and our ability to make some common sense decisions that is going to help Americans, and I'm not saying like America only and nobody else, but I'm just saying there's some common sense things. I think greed got in the way and a lot of people got greedy and and sold our country away. And so it's just like the attack. I can't even I can't even go on. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's deep. It's deep. It's so deep. It is so deep. And I just think that solutions, I feel like one of the solutions is simple solutions. If you have a, a starting at a starting point. The family dinner has always been a critical place where you bring the family together, where friends come together and where community comes together. And there is no there. I don't think that there is a coincidence that Jesus spent his last hours on this earth having the last supper so that he would be able to utilize that time to strengthen 
the family before they were going to face this critical time in the future. And that's what we need to do. We are facing some really critical times in our country. And, the, yeah. and we need to have a few more last suppers. We need to have a few more suppers where we're inviting Christ into our homes, inviting prayers back into our lives and making sure that we are going to have the spirit that is going to be able to guide us to do the things that we have to do as Christians, because a lot of us are being very offensive and being very offensive to others, not intentionally just to, for radical Christianity, but they lack the right spirit. They lack the yes. Holy spirit. And so they're going with zeal, but they're, but they're really just painting a different picture of who Christ is. And then others have abandoned, abandoned the righteousness of Christ. We need more suppers with our families to prepare us for these last days and invite the spirit to be with us. Spirit and truth, spirit and truth. So good, man, <clears throat> man. I, uh, Merthel, I sure appreciate you coming on. This has been so much fun for me uh, to dive into this conversation. And if you're ever up in Oregon, man, come let me barbecue for Ooh, you, bro. <laughs> Oregon, Oregon. I oh, have a really good oh, yeah. friend. I have a really good friend out in Oregon. His name is Dan Linrood. He's the president of one of our institutions. And, uh, yeah, he's doing some amazing things out there, Pastor Dan Linrude. Well, we're well, we're so, in McMinnville, Oregon, about an hour south of the Washington border. So, oh, hey, awesome! Uh, thanks. Yeah, th hey, how can people? Uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you and what you guys are doing? Um, Onyx, um, www.onyxfamily.com. I mean, that's kind of like the hub where you get to see all our new projects. You know, we have some exciting things that are on the horizon. Um, that's why we are out here in California. So we're just praying that through. Um, wow. yeah, onyxfamily.com. That's where you, that's where you go. Well, you're super easy to find. And it was really, it was a joy to look at your material. You got a beautiful family, a beautiful bride and uh, stay in the five brother. Keep up the good work. Thanks. You too. God bless you guys. Hey, and, your, and to all your listeners, Hey, keep watching this guy, man. This, this guy is it. <laughs> He's a real deal. I appreciate you, man. Hey guys, let's get our boots on the ground. What is the next step? What action step will you take because of what you heard today and here it is we want you to eat with your family at least one day more a week so if you don't ever have a meal with your family do one day a week then get to two then three we want you guys to get to five meals at least a week with your family that 15 minutes will change your family tree guys head on over to my website manarena.org grab your free copy of my book tell them what great dads what great fathers rather tell their sons and daughters sign up to join one of our many local teams when you click the join our program button until next time feel the wet sand on the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd taste the sweetness of victory smell the stench of battle get in the game get dirty grind it out eat dinner with your family or breakfast and be a man You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.